right, thanks, Scott Shannon. Thanks to all of you for being with us. Toll free, our numbers, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of this extravaganza. A lot to get to today. Now, Linda, didn't I say earlier this week, I don't trust the stock market? Remember I said that this week? And didn't you say I that say, every day. I say it almost every day. And I tell people, don't listen to my financial advice. Go, go talk to your financial advisor. That's not my area of expertise. Just like I'm not a medical doctor and I'm not going to tell people what they need to do. I, I'm a, I encouraged everybody to take the virus seriously. Uh, they've got to take into account their private medical condition, pre-existing conditions, comorbidities, uh, compromised immune systems. I don't know anything about their private medical condition. And I, I don't know what people's risk or appetite is or their what their appetite is for risk when it comes to investing in their hard-earned money. And didn't I say this week that I said, I, I get the sense that the Dow is, is kind of due for a correction based on all the inflation fears, interest rates going up fears, et cetera. Didn't I say that? I said all of that, right? Yeah, you say it all the time. I say it all. Okay, and now the Dow's down nearly 500 points today. Just saying. Not bad for a guy that doesn't know anything. Um, it's sort of like now that I dip my toe into uh, cryptocurrency and Bitcoin, um, and I, and I, by the way, I'm not telling anybody what to do with their money. You make your own decision, make an informed decision, do what's best for you. Uh, but anyway, a lot of this was predictable in my mind. It doesn't mean that it's going to stay down. I mean, it goes up, it goes down. You know, the one thing my financial advisor has always emphasized to me, cause I have no appetite for the stock market I, from, in my mind, the, the people that make money in the stock market are the people that have the inside knowledge. And that by the time we get in, and unless you're looking at blue chip stocks, you know, I, I have a very small percentage quote of my portfolio in the stock market because I really don't trust it and I don't like it. And when, you know, when I talk to my financial guy about it, I don't know enough about it to give him any recommendations, but I usually prefer safe stocks, things like Procter & Gamble, Johnson & Johnson, you know, McDonald's, you know, that pays a dividend, things like that. That's about as deep into the stock market as I'm willing to get. But it's it's fairly predictable when you see the Dow Jones, you know, diving. The Federal Reserve president raised the prospects. Like we've been hearing all week that interest rates will be rising sooner than expected. They, verse, they first said it wouldn't, they likely wouldn't go up till 2024. They now have revised that. And they now see interest rates increasing as early as next year as inflation is picking up. Well, that's earlier than what they had told people. Financial markets are, by their very nature, skittish. The more inflation that, than we're expecting, it's natural. We've tilted a little more hawkish uh, here to contain inflationary pressures. But the plunge that we're seeing today... Uh, you know, it would be its w worst weekly performance since the end of, of January. Uh, but, you know, you make your own decisions on this. I'll tell you what is scary, too. Um, I know, you know, I hope we get to how did ProPublica get this information on all these billionaires and their tax returns? And if we deemed that when you're balancing one's privacy Within what what's in the best interest of the country to know, we decide to break the law and publish your private income tax returns. 
And it showed guys like Bloomberg and Berkshire Hathaway. What's like a Warren Buffett and, and a bunch of other billionaires, you know, that, that they're obviously rich. Part of the problem, and, and this is why I remember saying this about Donald Trump and his tax returns, because there's no way on earth that any uh, any of us that live normal lives, that get W-2s, uh, that don't have businesses where you can offset some of your losses, et cetera, that you're going to look at a billionaire's, you know, actual tax payments and say that it's fair. Now, there's a reason for that. Now, one of the reasons they're publishing this is because ultimately what they would rather do is go in for the wealth tax and basically after, you know, and a wealth tax would be based on what you appraise your stock and your property at any given moment. For example, let's say you own your own home. You own your own home and you have it appraised and current value today, it's appraised at a hundred grand, $100,000. Well, let's make it $500,000, half a million dollars. Okay. Then, okay, that, that's what today's appraisal is. That would be a snapshot. It might be worth 600000 in a week. It might be worth 400000 in a week, depending on other factors that would mitigate the value of that property. The reason you don't pay taxes on any capital gain, let's say you paid $350,000 for the house because an appraised value is not the real actual value. You only know the real actual value after you put the home on the market and somebody's willing to pay the amount of money that it's appraised at or below what the appraisal is, or in some cases, rare that they are, there's, there's people paying above asking price to get a, a piece of property that they really want especially when there's, you know, limited inventory. And, and that's been happening a lot around the country. And that, it's not going to stay that way. It's, it fluctuates like everything else. So what happens is most of these billionaires, if you look at their salary, in other words, their income, they don't take an income. They take it in stock shares. They, they own properties and then they hold it. They hold their stock of their company because they believe in their company. They hold their their expensive homes uh, or properties or buildings that they rent out. They hold them. And so unless and until you cash out, you're not going to pay the tax. Now, all you're getting is the, quote, uh, estimated increase in wealth. Forbes puts out pretty comprehensive lists every year and they say well from 2014 to 2018 x person's wealth went up whatever billions of dollars okay that's all on paper that's the snapshot moment but it doesn't mean it's actually worth that and then when you own a business and again business owners didn't make these laws you get to deduct certain things you get to depreciate certain things and when you do, that offsets whatever income tax liability you might otherwise have. You know, but that but the idea here is to create this nefarious image of very wealthy people that you create jealousy 
uh, so that the vast majority of people that are not wealthy get angry and then they want to empower the government to go in and confiscate the wealth of other people. Now, the problem with that is most rich people I know didn't get rich by being stupid. They're usually pretty smart people and smart people are going to figure out ways that they can shelter their money from taxation, even if it means leaving states like California and New York and Illinois, because the tax rate is just too burdensome. Regulation is too burdensome and the price is too high. And the atmosphere, the business atmosphere in other states is far more business friendly. And they get nobody's in business to lose money. You're creating goods and services. People want, need and desire in the hopes that you make something that apparently in the minds of the left is evil. It's called a profit. And when you make a profit, okay, then you get taxed on your profit. So it's not quite as nefarious, but they want you to, they, they want you so angry thinking that these people are, are screwing you over. No, they're playing by the rules that these idiots themselves, they wrote these laws into place. And don't think that these politicians, they love the rich because rich people can give them a lot of money to help them stay in power and get reelected. Why do you think teachers unions are never held accountable? Because they take rank and file dollars. They feed it to the Democratic Party. They have this unholy alliance and then it keeps them in power. And then it ends up with situations like, oh, teachers unions writing CDC policy on coronavirus because the teachers don't want to go back in the classroom. That's how insane this all gets. But inflation now is at its highest level since 1979, according to a survey in the Philadelphia Fed and their manufacturing survey. That, that's not good for anybody. Now they're talking about, and this was in the New York Post today, that, for example, the federal estate tax. Now, what is an estate tax? All right, now imagine you, you get regular income. You pay your federal income taxes. You pay your Social Security taxes. You pay, in New York, 10% state taxes. So you're, you're losing, you're keeping maybe 40 cents of every dollar. Then maybe you take a little bit of the money that you save, you make an investment, and then that, let's say that investment turns around to profit. Then they'll take another bite out of that. That's called the capital gains tax. And then when you die after you've paid taxes your whole life, then they feel they have the right to come in and rob you blind again. And the federal government takes 40% more of whatever you let, whatever's left when you die and if you live in a state like New York, you pay 10% to the state of New York. I think you even pay a city estate tax. So all this money that has been taxed likely multiple times, now you're going to get whacked again. There's nothing. This is all for their benefit, for their power. You know, I told you the story earlier this week. Okay, why do people put their faith, hope, trust, belief in government, socialism, New Green Dealism, Guaranteed health care, guaranteed daycare, guaranteed uh, early childhood education, guaranteed free college, guaranteed free health care, guaranteed free government job or the guaranteed government wage, guaranteed government healthy food, guaranteed government retirement. These are the same idiots that promise to educate your kids in New York City. They spend $27,000 per student. Only 6% of kids in the school are proficient in reading and math. 
You, you, you can't get a bigger failure than that. Well, actually, you can. In Baltimore, they have 13 public high schools. And in 13 public high schools, there's not one kid, not a single kid, that is proficient in math or science. I mean, and now they're even getting more corrupt because Joe Biden, Janet Yellen, and, and the other socialist New Green Deal radicals, they now want to get other countries to have a minimum corporate tax to prevent companies saying, I'm out of here. I'm going to manufacture goods elsewhere where I can actually make money and make a profit. And they'll never be tough like Donald Trump was. They're not going to, they're not going to stop China from, from sending their products to the United States. They're not, they're not going to put any type of tariffs on them the way they put it on us. Because I don't even think Joe Biden knows what day it is. How we expect him to do that? All right, rolling along on a Friday. Thank you for being with us. 800-941-SEAN. A lot of infighting going on with the Democrats. Their $6 trillion infrastructure investment plan. Anytime they talk about investment, let me tell you what that means. That means socialism utopia. It means, oh, infrastructure, daycare is infrastructure, child care is infrastructure, health care is infrastructure. No, it's not. That's roads, bridges, tunnels, schools. That would be called infrastructure. We can't afford $6 trillion, but they're going to try and do it anyway. Now, the more radical squad, Bernie Sanders wing of the party, they're now saying we got to go it alone. We got we got to get rid of these Republicans. They're they're annoying. Uh, Bernie Sanders, Senate Budget Committee chair, confirms members of the Budget Committee discussing uh, including immigration reform in the reconciliation package. Now, the Senate parliamentarian has said there's going to be difficulties that um, they, they may not be able to do everything that they want. They have a key vote on Tuesday on this voting election law that would permanently remove any checks, balances, integrity that you need in elections, simple things that everybody should agree on, you know, that you need voter ID, signature verification, chain of custody controls, which apparently was missing in Fulton County, according to reports. Uh, You certainly need, if the law says partisan observers can observe the vote count start to finish, you kind of need that there too. Uh, Updating voter rolls every election, that, that seems like a pretty good idea too. You know, Manchin that got caught on tape saying, hey, maybe I am in favor of uh, uh, getting rid of the legislative filibuster. I'm like, excuse me? You know, but he's been saying publicly he's going to respect the rules and customs of the Senate. So, I'm, you know, where is he going to end up in the end? I have no idea. All I know is they're putting a lot of heat on him. At 25 to the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN, 74% Pennsylvania voters... Uh, support voter ID. Anybody that wants integrity understands it's simple. It's fundamental. It's a check. It's a balance. It adds confidence in the outcome and integrity to the system. And whether any liberal wants to admit it or not, we didn't have we didn't have laws that were followed. We didn't have, um, you know. Hang on one second. We didn't we didn't follow the laws of the Constitution in states. That's just a fact. I mean, and, and, you know, just like, for example, voters, landslide majority, they don't want critical race theory. You know, all these schools, I told you about the New York school that 
you know, 6% of kids are proficient in math and, and, and reading. I mean, how do you fail on that level? How about after we do reading, writing, math, computers, science, and maybe a little bit of history without any political point of view, just, just history straight up without any wokeness involved in it and, and let parents fill in the gaps. How about then we can get to other things? You know, like, do we really need to spend time on the how to masturbate videos for kids in first grade? You know, six-year-olds? I, I mean, or if you want to have that, why don't you just make it simple? How about you say you can opt in after school if parents are uncomfortable and they like this curriculum, here's what's in the curriculum. Well, we'll teach it after school as as a, I don't know, as as a option you can opt in but let's get the reading writing math science you know real science history why don't we get to the basics first considering like in new york they spend 27 grand per student baltimore second highest spending in the in the entire world in the industrialized world on their schools 13 public schools kids are not proficient in math and reading you can't fail that bad I mean, it's unconscionable. And then that gets to the whole issue of why would you trust these people that are promising you everything for free that they can get anything done? Um, you know, how does how where's our media that would say, hey, Joe, you know, people are asking, well, what can we do better? Humpty Dumpty. What a dope. Joe Rogan reamed Humpty Dumpty a new one. Uh, we'll get to that later in the program today. But how about, you know, uh, why don't you ask um, Mr. Biden why he calls Georgia's, you know, law on elections, which is far more inclusive, more accessibility. And he's been in the Senate for 50 years and he never lifted a finger. And Delaware has far more restrictive laws than Georgia. How do you call it Jim Crow 2.0? How do you call that Jim Crow? How do you how do you get away with that lie? Apparently, uh, Stacey Abrams yesterday threw a support behind Joe Manchin's proposed revisions to the expansive election and ethics reform bill, conferring him the endorsement. Uh, and anyway, I want to see the fine print and the details. Uh, but I could tell you right now, any law that doesn't require. Well, first of all, you can't buy you can't federalize the elections. We have something that prevents that. That's called the constitutions. Uh, and the constitution, the time, manner, place is by the state legislatures, not by the U.S. House of Representatives. Very clear language in our constitution. And, you know, she wants it to, you know, in many ways supports Manchin's revisions, which were resembled Georgia's recently passed law that she vehemently opposed. According to the, the New York Times, Nate Cohn, so, you know, in Georgia, for example, they allow 17 days of early voting. No, none in Delaware. ID is required. No excuse absentee. OK, then you have uh, these mailboxes, these drop boxes in every precinct. OK, one thing that is missing that needs to be fixed in Georgia is they need to put in signature verification. That's missing. You need to have chain of custody controls, especially based on what we're reading is happening in Fulton County. And then you need to clean up voter rolls and make sure they're updated every election. What's wrong with that? 
you know, Georgia Senator Warnock laughing and saying he doesn't know anyone that has been against voter ID. Uh, yeah, everybody's been against it, Senator. You know, Brian Kemp, you know, you know, after months of trashing Georgia's Election Integrity Act, you know, Jim Crow 2.0. Now she's now she's going to go along with the same law that was in Georgia that cost the people of Georgia a hundred million dollars in business by losing the all-star game. By the way, they did it again last night. I was wondering all week that I kept bringing up when the Islander game takes place uh, is what happened at the last Islander game where the fans took over the singing of our national anthem. Would it happen again? Jason, do we have that tape from last night? like chill bumps every time i hear that it was i linda i've been waiting all week to see if they do it again and, and they did I'd i think it was louder than the first time don't you I think know, so right i mean it's it was, loud i hope that every sport this starts happening because the fans I, I, maybe i'm reading into it maybe i'm wrong i'll i'll accept that i'm not always right but maybe the fans have had it with the kneeling and the staying in the locker room and, you know, the lectures and and on and, and politics being in sports. And maybe this way, it's their way of saying, uh, screw you. We love our country. We love our anthem. We love to sing our anthem. And we want you to hear us because we're sick of your crap. You know, it, it, they take the most unifying experience for people of all backgrounds, all races, all socioeconomic backgrounds, you know, where people come together with a shared passion, their home team, and then they throw politics into it, and now everyone's hating each other. It's the whole idea. You get people high-fiving strangers. It's an, it's an incredible opportunity to bring people together, and, of course, politics ruins it. And it doesn't have to ruin it. And I'd say to sports stars, you know, you have a big platform. If you want to use it for something that you're passionate about, do it. By all means, do it. But, you know, bring the fans in to help you. Ask for their help. 
And if they like your whatever charity, whatever effort you're involved in, maybe it's to help disabled kids or to send uh, the children of, of slain soldiers to college or, you know, maybe it's to create better uh, charter schools for kids in, in certain communities, whatever. I bet you people would run to their side to help them. And it would be uniting, not dividing. By the way, Governor Abbott demanding Biden return the unused border wall land, which he deserves. Uh, I write now to demand you immediately return to Texas any land taken by the federal government but not used for building a border wall. He'll win that case. Now we learn that Biden's secretly dumping illegal migrants in cities around the country. Washington Examiner, according to Indiana Senator Todd Young, has been a 45 percent surge in children that entered in the United States unaccompanied by an adult sent to Indiana. One case, 19 sent to Iowa, then put on a bus to other cities, including Fort Wayne in Indiana. Iowa Governor Reynolds and Tennessee Governor Bill Lee They've asked Congress to investigate the moves. What they're doing is they're doing it in the dark of night. And then these states become financially responsible because they're not allowed to return them to their home country. That's the federal government's domain. And so now they have to go out on their own. Now they have to pay for food, shelter, water, health care, education. These cities, these towns can't afford it. And 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 they don't have any option. I would just I just get them transportation, send them over to Joe's house, send them to 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, put plenty of food, water. If they need medical care, get them in shape before they go and then send them, send them to Washington. Joe Biden's letting him in. Let Joe Biden handle the problem he's created. It's that simple. Pretty unbelievable. Anyway, the governor Abbott's going to spend 250 million as a down payment to continue the border wall building that's going on in Texas because he wants to stop it from happening in a state because his hands are tied legally because Joe is facilitating the law breaking. Joe Biden's DOJ offering citizenship to illegal immigrants. If you make an asylum claim, not that you not that it's been reviewed, just a claim. They're literally flying in the rest of your family to be with you. I mean, it's. What? You got to be kidding me. You can't even make this stuff up. It's so it's so ridiculous. It's so insane. Uh, I will tell you, there, we're getting to a point here that. Let's just say when late night comics start making fun of Joe Biden and, you know, I, I saw the first sign of this, I guess it was on Jimmy Fallon. No, it was, no, it was Colbert. And Colbert had on Dana Carvey and Dana Carvey was playing Joe Biden. <laughs> and he's I mean, he had him down cold. It was really good. Very, very good. And now and then he made a joke about his, you know, cranky grandpa yelling at Caitlin Collins when she asked a question. And I'm telling you, once that threshold, once they begin to see, you know, that they can make people laugh and they're missing, they're leaving a lot of good material on the cutting room floor and that Donald Trump after five years now is diminishing returns. Um, yeah, I think you can expect more of it. By the way, Joe did give Vladimir a pair of aviator sunglasses. I bet Putin really wants to look like Joe. Anyway, you know, I could see Vladimir 
you know, you know, going right up to the microphone and adjusting his cool new Biden shades. Remember that campaign moment when Joe Biden, you know, t- he did the first take. Am I supposed to put him on now? I mean, it was all staged and they, they screw up even staged events. By the way, the McCloskeys, if you remember, this was in Missouri. Remember, there was people broke into their neighborhood, knocked the fence down and they they were defending their property Anyway, they pled guilty to lesser charges, but the governor's already said that that he's going to pardon them. And I think Mark McCloskey is actually going to move forward um, with uh, his run for the Senate. Uh, anyway, now here's the problem, by the way, with the election issue. Let's say these audits come up and, and we see incredible anomalies that that may have an impact on the result. What does that mean? Well, the first question you have to ask yourself, do you think Congress, controlled by Democrats, would ever reconvene and reject what already counted, you know, ballots to relevant states that would send Republican electors so that they can recount the electors and, and remove Biden? I don't think so. And I don't think the Supreme Court would order Congress to do it. Uh, that's just my opinion. That's why I'm focused on the things that I think we can get done that will actually be impactful and add integrity and confidence in elections moving forward. And I'm not against the audits. I'm, I'm interested to see what they come up with. Ultimately, we're finding problems in Georgia, Fulton County, and apparently we'll, we'll see what happens out of Maricopa County. But I don't th- do I think that there's a date? No, I don't believe that. Because the Democrats won't do it. Nobody's going to do it. Supreme Court won't act. I don't, you know, this Supreme Court is very disappointing. The person that first politicized it was John Roberts. And he did it the first time. And apparently, I'm told behind the scenes, he changed his vote. And that was the first Obamacare ruling. Looks like, you know, he doesn't want the court to be viewed. The Roberts court is political. Well, it is political. All right, hour two, Sean Hannity show on this Friday, 800-941-SEAN, our number. You want to be a part of the program. Um, you know, we've tried to book Joe Rogan. I know we've tried on TV. Have you tried for radio, Linda? I don't know if you've tried for him. He, I haven't really tried for radio, no. Okay, he does. I think he does a pretty interesting show. Um, and it's interesting. It's very long form. You know, he goes. He, he does interviews that go on and on and on, which I kind of like if you have time. And, you know, under understanding most people's daily lives where, you know, some people can hear us on the West Coast during their lunch hour. Some people listening at their desk. We just it just it doesn't really permit us to do that kind of radio because it takes that type of um, an extra level of active listening. Anyway, I think he does a good job. He signed an incredible deal. I think it was with Spotify. Um, it was. Uh, I understand he loves MMA, so right there, I like the guy. And he did a pretty amazing interview. I watched him do this interview with Elon Musk, who I think is fascinating. I mean, anybody that wants to go to space, anybody that actually figured out how to build an electric car, um, remember, I'm all of the above guy, but and, and, and all of the above guy, but right now, all of the above still relies on energy, oil, gas, coal, etc. Um, and anyway, it's just, and it, it, there's a certain freedom, and maybe we should do a separate podcast one day where we can, where I don't have to say Adam Schiff or a Schiff 
head. You know, I can actually say it because people know what I'm saying. And it's amazing how many people worry. He just cursed on the radio. No, I didn't. I didn't. I, if I did, I'd get in trouble. I know who wants to get in trouble, right? Been in trouble my whole life. He just, I mean, he scorched Humpty Dumpty. I mean, it was it was just hilarious. Um, anyway, he was interviewing some some guy. I don't even know who it is. Kyle Kalinske. Do you know who Kyle Kalinske is? I don't know who it no. is. Anyway, they started talking about Humpty. And now understand something. Humpty Dumpty's ratings. It's sort of like the tweet I put out last night against Seth Meyers. Seth Meyers doesn't even get 800,000 viewers a night. And he's attacking us. And this is our slow period. And we're, you know, we had three and a half million viewers, you know, two nights ago. Um, and so I'm just like, OK, nobody watches you people because you're not funny. You don't understand politics. And and, and everybody sees, you know, Johnny Carson was funny. Jay Leno was funny. Letterman in his in his heyday was funny. He got too political, I thought, at the end and, and started getting really mean. And it turned off. I think it turned off a lot of people. Um, which is unfortunate. But anyway, but I like honesty. I don't mind people giving their political opinions, but be funny about it. I mean, everything Trump does is awful, horrible. They they melt like, you know, when bubble and fizz like Alka-Seltzer and water. Anytime Trump sends out a tweet, they're not that offended. They're lying. That's fake, phony, feigned outrage. If you're that offended by a tweet, then you need to get a life because Tweets shouldn't trigger you to that extent. So, you know, everybody, everybody, once you become hip to and aware of media bias, you can't unsee what you're seeing. Anyway, so, you know, he starts going after Humpty. And there's this idiotic question that he was asking Jen Psaki. Well, well what are we in the media doing wrong uh, in covering Joe? Uh, everything? Because there's no scrutiny. You know, Joe lost his temper and then starts lecturing the press. Why are you guys always asking negative questions? I'm like, they never ask you a negative question. They only did that to Donald Trump. That's just a fact. Anyway, so he goes on to say, you know, these people, you know, it, the market is spoken. He's, he's addressing Humpty. Your show is effing terrible. And but again, he gets like 700,000 viewers a week. That's it. He's the worst. Even the liberal Progressive commentator said he's the worst. Um, all he is is basically the stenographer for Mr. Potato Head who runs that stupid network over there. And everybody knows that it's feigned outrage. They're, they're not being real with their audience. We're, one thing we are is we're very real with our audience. And so Rogan's guests, you know, knock Stelter for outright calling for censorship, which they do. You know, I, I want Joe Rogan to be able to say anything he wants about me or anybody else. I don't want to silence anybody's voice ever. You know, whoa, what do we in the media get wrong covering Joe Biden? I'm like, are you kidding me? Um, the guy's the press secretary. And it's also, you know, what don't they ask Joe? They don't. We now have of have pictures of Joe Biden with Hunter Biden's foreign business partners at dinner when he was vice president. That means he lied three times when he said I, I've never spoken not one time, not a single time to Hunter about his foreign business dealings. It's just a lie. And, you know, then you got another fake news CNN reporter gushing over the Biden Putin handshake, you know, body language expert Putin immediately looked immediately looked away. Vladimir Putin is not intimidated by Joe, not not in any way, shape, manner or form. He's not. 
And, and he sees that Joe is a cognitive mess. It's just only a few of us that are willing to say it out loud. I mean, it's pretty unbelievable. Anyway, let me play for you, if I may. Um, just listen to the mob and the media praising Biden for this this Putin summit. Now, remember, four years ago, Donald Trump rocked NATO's world. He knocked the G7's world. You know, he had he had China on its heels. All of our Western European allies, Canada, Mexico, Japan, China, Russia. Yeah, we got better, freer, fair trade deals because he insisted on it and he won. And that was good for we, the people. Anyway, this is the media praising Biden for the summit. I can't think of a more successful diplomatic trip in the 21st century than this one. The handshake, Biden looked Putin in the eye with a smile. Putin looked away. It's just an interesting posture. I I viewed it at one point. I wrote Professor Biden because I thought he was trying to basically be above it be above the meeting and explain, look, guys, he's playing a game. My insight watching the press conference yesterday was there was a, a kind of poetry in his prose. And that is the test and perhaps the legacy defining moment for President Biden, whether his personal relationships will change anything as our 46th president makes the case that diplomacy, dialogue and democracy are America's greatest exports. I think that this contrast that we saw today between President Trump and President Biden is an attempt for the administration to say, look, we are now, we are the adults in the room. And I think that Joe Biden is the man of the moment. And yes, he turned on Caitlin Collins. Fine. For a moment. And then he apologized. He's such a nice guy. He apologized. Did you ever once hear Trump apologize to a reporter? Okay. Now let's go to Biden, the real Joe Biden, that if you watch these other networks, they'll never show you. This is just a tiny, tiny blip of his screw ups in the last week. I keep forgetting I'm president. COVID is, I know you all know, but a lot of people may not know what COVID is. Uh, And in Libya, we should be opening up the the the. passes to be able to go through and provide uh, provide uh, um, food assistance and economic assi- I mean vital assistance to uh, a population that's in real trouble Russia has engaged in activities which are we believe are contrary to international norms but they have also um, uh, bitten off some real problems they're going to have trouble chewing on and for example, the rebuilding of uh, of, uh, of Syria. Of uh, uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to get in trouble with staff. I don't do this the right way. Well, look, I mean, he has made clear that. Uh, uh, one one thousand, one thousand, one thousand. The answer is, I believe he has in the past essentially acknowledged that he was. Uh, there are certain things that he would do or did do. Uh huh. Joe Concha and Carol Roth are with us. Uh, Joe, the only honest media reporter in the country. I hope he gets his own show. He's a Fox News contributor. Carol Roth, uh, by the way, upcoming book, The War on Small Business, how the government used the pandemic to crush the backbone of America. I mean, Joe, uh, Joe, you're like the only guy out there that scrutinizes the media. Is there anything that I'm saying here that's not true? I mean, (laughs) 
Well, a guy named Steve Krakauer uh, is a former CNN producer of all places. He does a pretty good job also, uh, and, and I like uh, his analysis as well. But for the most part, 95% of those who are supposed to analyze the media, criticize the media, seem to just cheerlead for the media, and that's disappointing to see. But look, uh, a, a couple things to unpack here. Uh, I don't know if you know Joe Rogan's contract, but it, with Spotify, he got $100 He's a hundred million. million bucks. For yeah. five years. I read it. For, yeah. Isn't that Good amazing? So, you know, is that the future? I, I, I don't know. I think for most people, probably not. But for somebody like Rogan, uh, he definitely is a talent because he's unafraid and he's fearless. And, and that's what people like. That makes you unpredictable. And, and he likes he, MMA. I like him even more. Go ahead. <laughs> There you go. Uh, so when, when he was talking about the CNN chief media correspondent uh, and talking about how his ratings are down nearly 80% since the beginning of the year, I mean, I get it's a non-election year, but we've never seen drops like this before. Usually said media correspondent would come back and say, well, it's just the right wing attacking me. No. Joe Rogan, uh, even though... He is an MMA guy, and, you know, he, he looks like somebody who probably would support my, Donald Trump. He actually my favorite line, hey, mother effer, you're supposed to be a journalist. And that's the thing. He claims he's a journalist, Joe. I make no right. bones about it. I am a talk show host. I do straight news. I do investigative reporting. I do opinion. I do culture. I do sports. I'm a whole newspaper. I'm a member of the press. But they say they're journalists. He's not. That's the thing. If you just if you would just own it and say, yes, I am a full-fledged Democrat. Yes, my show exists. Strictly, it's like if Pepsi had a show and they only talked about how horrible Coke is. Like, that's basically <laughs> the show. It's Media Matters with a microphone. That, that, that's all it's become. And it's utterly predictable. Uh, but, but to go back to Biden before, and you were, you were talking about uh, how he performed at that particular summit. I mean, look, you had Putin up there for 55 minutes, the guy who kills journalists, you know, the guy who kills journalists. 55 minutes, takes more than two dozen questions, doesn't use a teleprompter in the beginning like Biden did. Biden is up there. He takes a total of seven questions, seven reporters who are handpicked, by the way. So here you had the leader of the free world saying that I can't choose reporters on my own. I have to have a handler do it. The guy who got 81 million votes, really, and he can't even go ahead and just randomly call in reporters because he is so scripted and is so tightly handled. And the reason why he didn't have a joint presser, Sean, it was because Putin would have kept Biden up there for two hours if he could. Kind of like a heavyweight fight where the champion knows that he has his challenger beat, but he's going to keep him up for a couple more rounds just to punish him. And that's what would have happened. Biden likes to run off the stage after seven questions. Putin would have kept him up there for 70 questions. And in a test of mental endurance, Biden would have failed miserably. And that's why that joint press conference didn't happen. Um, I'm going to get in trouble if I, if, I, if I take any more questions. They're going to get mad at me. I mean, I'm like, oh, my God. And the real reason, Carol, let's be honest. So let's cut through all the clutter. The real reason he can't stand next to Putin is because Putin will make him look uh, as cognitively weak as he really is. That's 100 percent. I mean, building off of Joe's boxing analogy, it reminds me of the fight that happened just under a week ago between Lamar Odom and Aaron Carter, where Lamar Odom was like 6'10", 230 pounds, and Aaron Carter is like a buck fifty. And he, yet, like he, like he said, he kept him on the ropes and, and let it go all the way to the second round. But, I mean, this is a situation where we had Biden hand over a list of what, what was the critical infrastructure that Putin couldn't attack. Like, how is this a, a, a position of strength? By the way, two of which he did attack. I mean, that's the irony of it, right? He hands over a list. Don't attack these 16 parts of our infrastructure, two of which he already attacked, and Joe never mentioned it. Yeah, it's like 
the bullies being like, okay, well, like, you can hit me, but just don't break my glasses because mom's going to ground me. <laughs> or, like, the robber being like, oh, you know, you can, you can come in, you can take anything in the house, but just don't go to the, the safe behind the TV. I mean, this is, who, who came up with this idea? This showed us is completely yeah. weak on a national stage. And he even gave Putin a gift that made him look cool. He gave him aviator sunglasses. Completely outmatched. Okay, and then you can add to that, Joe Concha. Um, not only do we have the colonial pipeline hack, the attack on our 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 meat industry hack, then you had the day before the summit. Oh, let's see. Let let's stage a, a, a military exercise, something we haven't done since the Cold War, three hundred miles off the coast of Hawaii. Uh, that wasn't a big deal. Big deal to me. It should be. And the, the thing is, when people talk about how Biden, how strongly he performed at this summit, well, again, I say when you cover this president or any president for that matter, don't base that person on their rhetoric. Talk is cheap. Actions are what matters. That's what we should be judging Joe Biden on. And the bottom line is that he allowed Nord Stream, that, that pipeline that runs from Russia to Germany, that went ahead without any sanctions whatsoever. He waived the sanctions on them. Meanwhile, he strips the Keystone Pipeline of any new construction, hurting our own ability to make our own energy instead of having to actually import it. So when you look at wins and losses, and we hear how Biden's always been so tough with Putin over the years, well, I'm old enough to remember a couple of years ago when Biden was vice president and Putin basically just walked into Crimea and took it over without firing a shot, and the Obama-Biden administration did nothing to stop that. So again, base Joe Biden on his actions, and his actions to this point regarding Russia had been limp. All right. I appreciate both of you being with us. 800-941-SEAN, toll-free number. You want to be a part of the program. Quick break. Right back. All right. 25 till the top of the hour. 800-941-SEAN, our number. You want to be a part of the program. Um, All right. So the Democrats now are getting a lot of heat from the radical leftist caucus, the new Green Deal squad led by the real Speaker of the House, Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez. And um, there's a lot of pressure. There's been there's been this reluctance, resistance, even to even to criticize virulent anti-Semitism within the squad, as we've chronicled. Now, a lot of people are getting impatient. They want the infrastructure bill negotiations, a bipartisan bill stopped. Then they want to bypass normal procedure and use, quote, the reconciliation process, which does have parliamentary hurdles that the Democrats would need to get over. Uh, Their biggest hope, though, is to get H.R. S.R. 1. And this is the 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 voting fraud bill of of the Democratic Party, their dream wish list where there's no voter I.D., no signature verification. Felons get to vote. Everybody's registered. All mail in balloting. Uh, with no accountability and drop boxes everywhere, and uh, which would be a disaster. It would remove all integrity from every single future election that we have in this country. And, and a lot more. It would federalize redistricting. Well, no, that's the, the role of the states. It would impose costly, burdensome mandates on states. It would require felons to vote. All of which is happening. Now the question is, you know, are they going to try and sneak this through, backdoor this? I don't know what to make about Joe Manchin, because Joe Manchin and his private 
conversation that was just revealed uh, contradicted what he's been saying publicly about eliminating the the legislative filibuster. So I don't know what Joe Manchin's going to do. I don't know what Senator Sinema is going to do. Uh, we do have a new poll by our friends at McLaughlin and Associates. Uh, the major headlines, Biden and Harris are extremely polarizing political figures. Most voters do not think Joe Biden will make it the full four years. Uh, if it's Trump versus Kamala, as of today, Trump wins. Uh, President Trump's job approval uh, is going up. Pelosi and Schumer, yeah, they're about as unpopular as you can get. Uh, and Republicans and Democrats' generic ballot vote is plus one Republican, which you rarely see. And voters see themselves as as American and living in the greatest country on earth and in a colorblind society. That's what the poll shows. Legal immigration is the key to winning. Issues remain you know, for the path to victory. John McLaughlin joins us now. So they're not going to get their infrastructure bill passed. I don't th- I don't really see a path for SR1 to get through in the Senate. Do you? Um, you never know. I would never underestimate Chuck Schumer. I think what's going on with Joe Manchin and these other Democrat senators, because every other Democrat in the Senate has sponsored this S1 legislation. Including cinema moderates like alleged moderates like cinema Testa, uh, Kelly. Kelly's up for election this year, and you've got Hassan in uh, New Hampshire uh, that uh, is up for election, and she could lose if Chris Sununu gets in. So the Democrats may be playing a game with us, where they're saying they're going to moderate, but they really they they're not changing it because the polls. And by the way, all the things you said about the political environment right now. That yes, uh, Kamala Harris is underwater and a favorable, unfavorable. Joe Biden's ratings are declining. President Trump has a rock solid base where the vast majority of Republicans want him to run again. The highest numbers that he's had all year in that regard. He beats Kamala Harris decisively. He gets like 17% of the black vote, 39% of the Hispanic vote. He wins in the suburbs. He wins among independents. So the and the Republicans are up for the 2022 race for Congress by 0.1 generic, which is great for the Republicans. So they're going to try to change the rules. And if you change the election laws and override the state election laws so that you don't have real voter ID, you submit an affidavit, you don't have real signature verification, or you don't have secure drop boxes, you have ballot harvesting. Uh, if you do all those things, they're trying to rig the elections again. And we only lost, you know, in these counts in three states, the electoral vote, we lost by only 44,000 votes out of 160 million. And now you're finding out Fulton County still in Georgia, we lost by 12,000 votes. Fulton County does not have chain of custody records. Those ballots were picked up at drop boxes. God knows where they went. And they, and, and God knows when they got to the Board of Elections. Secretary of State could not tell us last November. How many ballots came in U.S. mail that we know from our polls Trump was winning? And how many came in in Dropbox that we know from our polls? Rassenberger is the worst the secretary of state in the country. He needs to go. Right. Same with Kemp. He needs to go, too. Right. Well, you've got a situation now where Raffensperger says he's going to investigate. Fulton yeah, finally. County not having, it's okay. Like, that's what Donald Trump was saying. Why did you pick Cobb County when the problem wasn't in Cobb County? We all right. know the problem was in Fulton County, and and secondarily, maybe the next county, if you were going to look at, would be DeKalb County. How do I know? Because I lived in Georgia. I know Georgia. Right. 
Um, and, and it's sort of like, okay, if you're looking for fraud in Pennsylvania, you go to Philly. Uh, the same would be, you know, you go to some of the liberal areas of Wisconsin. That's where it's likely to take place. So the, the reality yeah. is, to me, I think there's five safeguards moving forward. One is voter ID mandatory. You've got to have signature verification mandatory. You need chain of custody controls should be mandatory. Partisan observers, most states have laws that say partisan observers, all sides get to watch the vote count start to finish. So there's nothing nefarious going on. That didn't happen in 2020. And last but not least is you, you got to keep the, the voter rolls updated every election. Let's see. Is there anything that I'm saying here that in any way is not inclusive for anybody to vote? Because the rules should be the same for everybody. Uh, by the way, you may have voted in DeKalb County still. You just don't know that, though. <laughs> so there's, there's these I've never lived in DeKalb County, so that's an impossible. Well, I guess anything's possible in, in, in any corrupt town, right? Yeah, but but Georgia, I mean, that's why they changed the election law. Speaker Ralston in the House, they changed the election law so the drop boxes are now secure. No more of these Zuckerberg-paid contractors picking them up, et cetera, with these grants. And there's a judge down there that is waiting to have a hearing because he thinks there's ballots in Fulton County that were Xeroxed. I mean, you know, remember they stopped counting in the middle of the night when Trump was ahead. Let let me ask you a question. Ballots were appearing. Well, what if and we've been we've I've been watching, I've been reading about it every day. Um, I just haven't been spending a lot of time talking about it because I want to see what the results are. There's no reason right. getting ahead of ourselves, but I've been reading no, what let's... what has happened. What happens if we find massive fraud that clearly sh- would show uh, convincingly show, incontrovertibly prove that Donald Trump won these states? What if that ever happened? Well, what then? I, you know, what what is the legal recourse? Because I there's nothing that I can think of in terms of the law or our constitution that even addresses that. No, I don't know. And I tell you, you're right about let's let the facts drive this, because in spite of, by the way, a lot of the stories that that appeared in the media were first coming out of the Georgia Star, which is a which is a website where run by Michael Patrick Leahy, which is he's a journalist and does a great job and. He, a lot of these stories about chain of custody records and, and no records, you know, where these ballots were coming from. He's been on this since last November. And finally, when Raffensperger had to react to last week, when they still, in Fulton County, they said that they don't have them. They don't know when they're getting them. All of a sudden, Raffensperger had to react where he's basically covering himself up. And, uh, uh, you know, it became a story. Finally, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution wrote about it. Other news media are covering it. And, you know, the idea that, well, if President Trump won Georgia, I don't know what the remedy is. And if you have, there's an audit going on in Arizona, uh, these other states, I, you know, it would be, it would be a shock to the American public and the media, the mainstream media doesn't want to cover it. And, well, uh, they would do it. They, listen, I, I, I was fed as far as I'm concerned. And as were many people. Now, we followed the evidence. You know, if somebody signs a an affidavit, a legal document under the penalty of perjury, I think they deserve to be heard. And we were one of the few shows yeah. that actually put them on. Um, uh, we identified the laws where partisan observers, statutory language that they should be able to observe. And that didn't happen. They didn't follow the law. The Constitution in Pennsylvania is very, very clear 
and very specific in limited uh, in the limited ability of people in Pennsylvania to vote absentee or mail in, in ballots. That was bypassed by the state legislature through a law when the legal process would have been to go through the uh, a con- to have a constitutional amendment. We read the stinging rebuke in a in a four three decision by the chief justice, the dissenting opinion about how the laws weren't followed in the state of Wisconsin. And by the way, right. similar laws in, in Michigan weren't followed. So my mm-hmm. question is, OK, this goes back a long way. I don't see a path. You know, if this does come out and, and shows massive fraud, what is the remedy? I, I, I don't think the Supreme Court has an appetite to touch anything these days. Right. I don't know. And I tell you, though, the first thing is when you started when we started our conversation, we have to make sure when Senator Chuck Schumer on Tuesday tries to move the Corrupt Politicians Act, because this is all about Democrat corruption, where he tries to overrule, uh, you know, the state election laws. We know 85 percent of all Americans support voter ID so that non-citizens can't can't vote. We know 79 percent support voter ID for in-person and absentee. We know three quarters of the voters in key states like Arizona, uh, Montana, West Virginia, et cetera, they oppose the taxpayer funding campaign. By the way, you know that Corrupt Politicians Act? Members of Congress, on top of their congressional salary, can pay themselves a salary out of their campaign funds, which the taxpayers will be paying for. So if we don't stop this on Tuesday, they're going to start railroading us again and covering up whatever they did last year. And And if we think it was bad last year, It'll be even worse than 2022. Quick break. More with the pollster, John McLaughlin, 800-941-SEAN, our number. You want to be a part of the program. In the meantime, you know, it's really sad that you send your kids off to school and they're getting indoctrinated into, you know, everything woke. Um, All the values you want to instill in your kids, individual responsibility. You want your kids to get a good education, reading, writing, math, science, history. Yeah, forget it because, you know, cancel cultures, rampant wokeism, critical race theory that, you know, we're spending more time in school. And like in in Baltimore, 13 public high schools, not a single kid is proficient in math or science. So parents have been looking for alternatives. Now, that's where Tuttle Twins, the book series, comes in. Now, this is for toddlers all the way through teenagers. And these are books that will reinforce your conservative values. They talk about things like liberty and freedom and capitalism and individual responsibility. Uh, Imagine that. Now, parents, they've been dying for these books. And now that they found Tuttle Twins books, guess what? They're buying them by the millions. And as we continue, John McLaughlin, the pollster, fascinating results here. There's a lot of good information in your poll. I want, I want to make sure I get some other things in here. And, okay, and you asked the question, how likely is it that Vice President Kamala Harris will be president before the end of Joe Biden's four-year term? 64% said likely. I mean... That is dramatic to me. Now, Ab- it, it, mm-hmm. it's funny because I think I'm the only one that states the obvious, which is he's weak and frail and he's a cognitive mess. Right. And now you have members of Congress like Dr. Ronnie Jackson, who was the White House physician, who's a member of Congress from Texas, saying that Vice Pre- uh, President Biden 
needs to take a cognitive test and make it public. The mainstream media is sitting there. Well, they know. I mean, you've covered it. You, 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 your, your TV show, with Joe Sippy Cup, et cetera. I mean, no. he's sitting there, and all our all our enemies in the world and our allies in the world are looking at him. They just saw him in Europe and in England, and he goes blank. He freezes. He doesn't. He forgets what he's talking about. He yells at reporters, a CNN reporter. He's yelling at. I mean, he's he's he, there's something wrong, and the only way to clear it up is, you know, take a cognitive test, put it out with your health records, just like you would do when you're running. They gave him a pass last year. Now they're giving him a pass again, and but the American public, they are not missing this because it's across the board. Seventy-seven percent of the Republicans say they don't think he's going to finish his term, but so do. 50% of the Democrats. And yeah. so it's pretty clear to the voters that they don't expect him to last four years because it's not just that he's too old. They don't think he has the capacity to do the job. All right. The poll is fascinating. We're going to put it on Hannity.com. Last question. Quick. Does Herschel Walker, he's teasing a run uh, for the Senate in Georgia. Would he win? Uh, I believe he would win. He would be Ralph Warnock. Warnock's numbers have gone down since last November where uh, uh, he was. We did a super PAC poll uh, after the election uh, for president on the way into January. And Warnock was over 51% at that point. And uh, now he's down in the mid-40s. And if they want to keep railroading through this radical agenda, um, he's not going to get reelected. So Herschel Walker could beat him, absolutely. All right, John McLaughlin, we appreciate it. 800-941-SEAN, our toll-free number. When we come back, we'll get to your phones. News Roundup Information Overload Hour is coming up straight ahead. Quick break right back. Your call's on the other side, straight ahead. All right, News Roundup Information Overload Hour. Sean Hannity Show on a Friday. Thank you for being with us. By the way, Father's Day is on Sunday. Um, There's an incredible documentary that I want you to watch. It's called The Streets Were My Father. A story of hopelessness and redemption. And it actually, they it, it features three men from inner city Chicago, men that share their journey, you know, not having fathers in the home, then joining gangs and then ending up in prison, then ending up in prison ministries and then turning their lives around and how they did it and the importance of fathers. I mean, you know, 85% of, of youth that go into prison come from fatherless homes, 85% fully. 90% of homeless and runaway come from homes without dads or without a dad active and involved in your life. 71% of high school dropouts, fatherless homes. 85% of kids with behavioral disorders, fatherless, no father in their life, no male influence in their life. Now, am I diminishing in any way the contributions of moms? No, it's it's just as important, equally as important. You need both parents, bottom line. And I know 50% of marriages don't make it, but that doesn't mean your obligation to your children stops. That never ends. Anyway, we'll get to that at the the bottom of this half hour. In the meantime, let's get to our busy telephones here. Let's say hi. Johnny is in New Hampshire. Johnny, hi. How are you? Glad you called. Hey, thank you. You're a great American. Happy Father's Day to you. Happy and, um, Father's Day, my friend. You're a great American. Calling from the Live Free or Die State. Loved your book, by the way, the same name. But I want yeah, to. I, um, I stole your state motto, but go ahead. <laughs> That's I loved it. It was great. Everybody should read that. Needs to. But I just want to talk about the, the need for a full forensic audit. I mean, things are so crazy and embarrassing from the G7 summit to the gas prices to what we're hearing in the school boards to Dr. Seuss, the spending trillions. 
I don't think any of that matters until we get voting right. I think we need a full forensic audit. And just to make sure, I mean, I think too many Americans think this vote was stolen, myself included, and I think even foreign interference, but we need to find out. Here's what we do know. We knew that states that had laws that say partisan observers get to watch the vote count start to finish. Yeah, that didn't happen in 2020. That law was ignored. It's the law of of, of these states. We know that voter rolls are not updated every election. We know that, too. That has to happen. Uh, We know chain of custody, for example, the audit that's going on in Fulton County, you know, we now have articles coming out showing they don't have any chain of custody receipts or they have no idea where things came from. That can't happen. You can't have integrity and confidence in election results with those with not having the basics and fundamentals. You know, we know that if you voted in person in Georgia, that they had rigorous standards. You needed a voter ID and you needed signature verification with the state database. If you voted by mail, you didn't need any of it. Well, you can't have two standards for voting. That can't happen. We know that we know in Pennsylvania, the Constitution was ignored. And instead of changing the Constitution through the amendment process, the state legislature just passed the law. But that's not constitutional because they have very, very specific um, reasons given in the Constitution if you're going to vote absentee or by mail. So that their own Constitution wasn't followed. And then the 4-3 decision and the stinging dissent of the chief justice in Wisconsin about how the laws there weren't followed. You know, I, I'm, I'm following it. I, I don't know. And I talked to a lot of lawyers about it. If if let's say it shows massive discrepancies that would actually change the outcome in certain states. What is the remedy? I I don't see one in the Constitution. I don't think the Supreme Court has the stomach to do their job. And the only thing that I'm highly recommending is that we'd never let it happen again. And that's why I say signature verification, voter ID, chain of custody control, uh, updated voter rolls and Partisan observers watching the count start to finish have to. It has to be happening in every state. I just don't think if we don't fix this one, I might be. I don't think I'll have a country left left three and a half years from now. I think we need to fix it and go back and. I think if it was, if it was foreign interference, I think that changes everything as well. We'll see. But I think oh. we, have to get, we need to find out. Okay, so then hide. tell me what you know. I know people have been saying that Donald Trump. Donald Trump has not been saying because I asked him if he if he had said that he thinks he'll be in office. In August, he said, no, I've never said that. And no, I don't think that's going to happen. That's what he told me. You know, other people think they're spe- this is Maggie Haberman, Pulitzer Prize winner for phony stories. I mean, it's just a joke. Um, but the answer is, uh, you know, I- I'm trying to move the ball forward, but I'm very interested in what it shows. I'm just not going to get over my skis on it. I just I- I'm willing to look at it, what they find, what they discover. But I already know what needs to be changed regardless. And those are the five things I just laid out for you. Um, but anyway, Johnny, thank you. Appreciate it. Jay in Florida. What's up, Jay? How are you? Glad you called. Sean, an absolute honor to speak with you. Honor is all mine, sir. I moved down to Florida in 2011 from New York. I just went back up to see my 90-year-old father for Father's Day last weekend. Good and you. I got to tell you, I got to tell you, Sean, it's, it's a shell of what I left behind. People are walking around scared. It's ridiculous what's going on in that city. I honestly remembered when Giuliani took over, he came out with the quality of life crimes, and that was the beginning. That's where they need to start. 
that will turn the city around. Listen, I, I, let me just say this. I'm not staying. I'm leaving, too. And it's sooner than later. Probably in I the fall. I don't think anybody can blame you, Sean. I really you know, don't. And, and, and you know something? It's, the, part of me is sad that they've so screwed it up. They made it. You know, remember, remember when Cuomo said... You know, we, you're not one of them conservatives that are pro-life and pro-Second Amendment and anti-gay. Well, most people uh, I know are libertarian. They're not anti-gay. Their problem is themselves. Who are they? Are, are they, they these extreme conservatives mm. who are right to life, yes. a poor assault weapon, anti-gay? Is that who they are? Because if that's who they are, and if they are the extreme conservatives, they have no place in the state of New York. So this because that's not who New Yorkers are. Okay, well, I do believe in the right to life. I am pro-Second Amendment. I'm not anti-anybody. It's none of my business what people do in their lives. I wish them life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And how people choose to live their personal life is their idea. But I have no place in the state of New York because I, I believe in the Second Amendment. Because That's Andrew ridiculous. Cuomo, well, Andrew Cuomo has uh, armed guards around them. Comrade de Blasio, I interviewed him and I said, should every citizen in New York have the right, like you do, you have four armed police officers guarding you at all times. Should they have the right to protect themselves with a firearm in their house? Every New Yorker has the right to be safe. I didn't ask you if they have the right to be safe. Do they have the yeah. right? To, to protect themselves. And, he, the, he, you know, and he wouldn't answer because the answer is no, he doesn't believe you have that right. One of the first things you do when you move to a state like Florida or Texas is, is go out and get trained and get your CCW. It's just what we do here. We're allowed to protect ourselves here. I've had a concealed carry permit my whole life. I've had it in Rhode Island. I've had it in California. I had it in Alabama. I've had it in Georgia. And I have it in New York City. Uh, unfortunately, if you get enough death threats, which I've had yeah. in the course of my career, I know that's probably shocking to some people. Um, you, you, you can apply for it. I mean, you have to jump through a thousand million, a million hoops. But, you know, I, I, you've got you've to gotta prove to them you deserve your Second Amendment rights in New York. In Florida, very- it's a given. You're very fortunate there to be able to do that there because the average person in New York has absolutely no chance of doing that. You know what the great irony is, though, Jay? I, I avoid going out on purpose. <laughs> I don't go to places on purpose because it's like the sight of me in the minds of these triggered, woke, you know, uh. leftist, intolerant, you know, jackasses. Uh, is that they can't even see a conservative without bubbling and fizzing and melting like alcohol seltzer in water. Now, let me tell you how I feel. If I see somebody that I know doesn't share my political beliefs, I don't care. I don't care even a little bit. I might even say hello and be nice. Uh, why do they care so much what I believe? Uh, you know, why? What, what, what triggers people like that? And I, you know, I, I have to, the- yeah, go ahead. I have no idea what triggers them. I mean, it, it just seems to me that it's, it's a baby state. You know, uh, what you said offended me. Well, yeah, great. It offended you. How is that going to end your life? How is that going to affect you, you know, through your day-to-day, you know, day in and day out in life? Put, put well, listen, in my spare time, it may shock people. I talk about other things besides 
politics. Of course. <laughs> there was a recent there was a recent moment where I was going to be a guest of somebody's at some club they're a member of, and <laughs> they were told I'm not allowed to go have a hamburger. I mean, I'm like, what do they think? I'm going to just stand on the table with a bullhorn? You got to get to a, to 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 a free state, Sean. You got to get out of there. No, listen, I am. By the way, I am. The answer is <laughs> well, that decision's already been made. We know we know Governor Abbott and Governor DeSantis are both uh, vying for your uh, for you to come to their state. But if you know, if I have well, I've had. Let me let, let me say the advantage is Florida because I already own property down there. Beautiful. Well, we can't wait to have you here, Sean. But I wouldn't really mind can't. having a Texas ranch with a couple of, you know, with some cattle on it, some pigs, chickens. I don't know. That'd be pretty cool. Small ranch, they say, right, Sean? A small ranch? Yeah, a little small. By the way, yeah, a little small baby ranch. I asked <laughs> Governor Abbott, you know, that's about 2,000 acres. I'm like, what? <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. Exactly. All right, Jay. God bless you, my friend. Have a great Father's Day, all right? Hang in there. Thank you. Same to you, Sean. You're a patriot. You are to tell your dad hi. All right, as we continue, back to our busy telephones. Uh, Ross, North Carolina. What's up, Ross? How are you? Hey, Sean. How are you? I'm good, sir. What's going on? Good, good. I just uh, I got a question for you, and uh, it's, it's very concerning because, you know, I'm a transplant. I'm from Long Island, New York, and uh, I've been down here in North Carolina for 15 North Car- years. North Carolina is awesome. Yeah, I'm, 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 we're loving it down here. But anyway... My question to you is, being that you're so close to the wonderful former president we had, um, do you feel if everything goes our way in 22 and 24 and he gets another four years, do you think that's enough time to get us out of this ridiculous hole that President Sippy Cup is putting us in, all us Americans, and then uh, going to give him enough time to get us out of there and get back where we were before he left office? It's a great question. The answer is 2022 is really important. Remember, if Republicans take over the House, which is very doable, I think, uh, and they take back the Senate. Now, to do that, you got to win Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina. You got to win Wisconsin. You got to win New Hampshire. You got to win Ohio. You got to win Arizona. Uh, let me tell you that, that that is a bellwether Senate election year. Do I think we could and then resulting in uh, Joe Sippy Cup or Kamala being uh, voted out? Well, first, we need the election integrity changes that we've been talking about. But do I think we can do a lot of good in four years? Absolutely. Look what Trump did the first four years. He did a great job. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. And if he had the backing of the Senate, the House and, no, and some of these other idiots, you know, um, yeah, it would be amazing what he could do. Listen, don't don't underestimate, you know, the weakness that exists in establishment Republicans. Um, but even with yeah, that said, you know, he still got the money for the wall. He still made us energy independent. He still created record low unemployment for every demographic uh, group. He still built the hospitals, manned the hospitals. We never ran out of ventilators and got us three vaccines. I mean, so you'll never get credit for any of it. I don't really care. It's not about the credit. It's about helping people. And, you know, look, Donald Trump's a fighter. I, I, I can absolutely see him getting back in. He, didn't, he was noncommittal when I interviewed him two nights ago, but I think I, I, I can see him running and I can see him winning. Yes, I can. I never, I never felt so secure when he, the four years he was in office. I really did. 
Let me think. Do you think Vladimir Putin and President Xi and Kim Jong-un and the Iranian mullahs, who do you think they fear and respect more, Trump or Biden? Absolutely. And and do you think think liberals in the media are really offended by his tweeting? Because I don't. No, he just it was just a game. It was just a ploy. And he wouldn't stop. And the, the bowl, the snowball got bigger and bigger and bigger. And we just couldn't, he couldn't stop it. So uh, I just hope he gets back in there and shows them all what he's made of and and, uh, and and put them all to shame. You know, on a personal side, and I've known Donald Trump for, I don't know, 25 years. I, I, I You know, it just was five years of hell for him and his family personally. And, you know, most presidents age when they're in office. He hasn't he hasn't lost us any. He didn't age in my eyes at all. That's almost that's so rare. But I also think he's a carrier, meaning he's somebody that, you know, he creates stress in other people. He doesn't he doesn't take it on himself, you know. Yeah. Uh, well, for him, goes what he went through for five years and to come back for more. I think that just shows what kind of person he is. And I never saw a person love a country, this country, as much as him. I really don't. Appreciate the good call, Ross. Have a great Father's Day, right? You too, sir. Enjoy. Thanks for taking my call. As we speak about Father's Day, we're going to tell you about a a movie that's out. It's amazing about fatherhood and give you statistics that will blow you away about kids that don't have a father's influence in their life. Quick break. Right back. All right, 25 till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Uh, So, by the way, happy Father's Day, which is on Sunday, um, to all the fathers out there. Um, A friend of mine sent me a new film. It's called The Streets Were My Father, a story of hopelessness and redemption. And it features the stories of three inner-city Chicago men, their journey you know, being fatherless to then to gangs and prison to prison ministry programs and, and God and each of them found a road to redemption. And, you know, when I looked at some of the materials associated with this film and I'm looking at these numbers, I'm like, uh, this this ought to stand out to everybody um, because it's it's just, you know, how important are are, are parents and kids lives? In my view, they're the utmost importance. You know, I can tell you my kids are older, but I am all over them. They have no idea. Um, uh, Linda and I always joke that, I, you know, she's a total helicopter, you know, mom. Um, but then I have to admit I was a helicopter dad. And, you know, when I used to go to school, I'd get off the school bus and, and then I'd get on my bicycle and I'd be gone. I'd be out, you know, I was 11, 12 years old and I'd be working until 2, 2.30, getting home at 3 in the morning uh, after washing dishes in a restaurant for hours and then having two same Pauly girls and flying on my bicycle home. And I mean, literally flying. But when you look at the numbers that they put out with the film, it's, it's frightening. And it also shows how important it is to be a father and to be in your child's life. And then by the way, no way diminishing the importance of moms. They're equally important. Although we do tend to give mother's day. That's like a national holiday. Father's Day is like an afterthought. Here's your tie, Dad. Um, anyway, but these facts are scary. And it came out with the movie. 85% of young people in prison come from fatherless homes. 21 times the national average. 90% of homeless and runaway uh, fatherless homes. 32 
times the, the national average. 71% of high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. That's nearly 10 times what the, the national average is. 85% of children that have behavioral disorders are from homes without a dad, without their dad's influence in their life. Um, and it's scary. Now, you know, I, I always say to my kids, even now, I'm not, I'm not your best friend. I'm not going to be your best friend. I'm your father. I'm going to be a father. One day, maybe we can be best friends, but not now. Not until I see the level of maturity that I, and, and I have two great kids, that I need to see before I'm going to stop being a pain in your ass. And I know they don't like it when I interject at times, but I don't care. My job is to protect them and to teach them and to help them to make good decisions in their life. And if they don't make good decisions, I'm the one that comes in with the punishment. And but I don't, I don't, I never use corporal punishment on my kids. My dad beat the crap out of me, and I deserved it. But I don't. I, that was never my me, the, my method. I just take every single thing that they love, and I take it, take it right back. My that's my phone, that's my Xbox. That's my PlayStation. Those are my toys. I paid for them. <laughs> so I don't want to sound like a mean person. Linda's mean because she won't let her five-year-old get a Happy Meal at McDonald's, but that's a whole different story for a different that day. That is not mean. That that's is mean. love. Okay. Liam never had a Happy Meal, and he wants the free toy and the, and the really good French fries from McDonald's and either chicken McNuggets or a cheeseburger. You know what's funny about that is that despite him never having it. a Happy Meal, he's very happy. Yeah, because uh, Uncle Sean buys them, buys out every every. Uh, what do I get him? Fire engine in the place. So, so because you bought him a gift one time, you're responsible for the happiness for the past five years of his life. Excuse me, a gift. Okay, you bought out most of Target, but that was you know a few years oh, ago. I you have to do that every year to be considered Uncle Sean. Yeah, I'll do it again any day you want. <laughs> I'll take that. I'm, I'm not going to sit there with you as you turn over every choo-choo train in the store because you can't make up your mind. Uh, and, I am a price-wise shopper. Oh, after 30 minutes of watching you touch, feel, and look at the price of every train, I just said, forget it. Sweet baby James, get me a, get me one of those baskets. He comes so that's back the with time the limit, 30 minutes. Okay, and I got threw it. it. I threw them all in. I said... Take them all home. He can decide. And we Okay, left. then. I paid for glad, it. I'm glad you're proud of that moment. Anyway, uh, this is this movie now, for uh, just out for Father's Day, The Streets Were My Father, A Story of Hopelessness and Redemption. Let's play a little bit. I remember getting into a shootout with somebody. Shortly afterwards, they came back and I got shot. The only time that he interacted with me was when he was drunk. He would set me on his lap and he'd rub my head and tell me, Daddy love you. That was it. That's all he said. But you be careful out there. Don't be doing a wrong. I had done wrong already. I had done wrong. Man, I miss my father. And I want him to be here with me. But he's not. What attracted me to the gang was actually just the unity. We all had something in common. A lot of us were miserable. We had uh, no fathers in our lives. I joined this little gang at the time, you know? And so they, they start treating me like I was their brother. This is how I began the life of crime. You know, it just kind of spiraled out of control until a lot of violence taking place with me doing drive-by shootings. And I wanted to take, I wanted revenge, you know, for so much, it was like, just a pot of so much boiling and brewing, and I wanted to get revenge. 
I just continue down that path. And you know, um, there's a verse in the Bible that talks about reaping what you sow. And so it was just a matter of time before I was gonna reap what I sowed. I just asked God to go with me and to you know, watch over me. I wanted, I desired to have a father who, 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 who would tell me that what I did was wrong. I mean, this is an incredible, powerful movie, and uh, it's just out in time for uh, Father's Day. We have a link up on, on Hannity.com, or you can go to SalemNow.com. You can buy a copy or copies for anyone. Um, and, you know, like March 31st, it was 25 years since my father died. There's hardly a day that goes by I don't think about him, that I wouldn't want to ask him questions. And my dad was a much better person than I am. Just, I'm going to be very blunt. He was, he's a good man, v- deeply religious, good man, lived the life, had, and, and he grew up in hell. He had, you know, grew up in utter poverty. His mother died complications from uh, giving birth to him. And his father worked so much because he had no money. He was an Irish immigrant and he's out working all the time. So he's like being shuffled around from this relative to that relative to this relative. You know, turns 18, signs up, and spends four years in the Pacific. I said to him when he was dying, I said, you know, Dad, your, your, your life was hard. And he goes, no, I had a great life. And, and, and then he went on to say how proud he was of me. I'd been on Fox six months at that time. Now I'm in my, completing my 25th year. Lee Habib is with us. He's the executive producer of this new film. Again, you can see it on SalemNow.com. We'll put a link on Hannity.com. Uh, Lee and I go back a long ways. Uh, many years ago, you were Laura Ingram's producer. Now you're doing your own thing and doing very well. Congratulations on all your success. Well, thank you, Sean. And we're about to announce uh, being signed by Premier, your syndicator. So I'll be joining your family. Well, if uh, I would have known Premier. that, I would have told him not to do it. No, I'm kidding. Uh, congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just congratulations. I'm glad to hear it. Um, you know, I did one movie in my life. I'm proud of it. But then I realized I don't know the movie business enough and there's too much about the business of making movies that I didn't like. But I love the idea of making movies. Um, This is a powerful movie. Tell us about it. Well, Sean, what we do on Our American Stories, which is the syndicated radio show, is we get out of the way and we talk to real-life people about real-life issues and we talk about love and life and history. And we kept hitting this fatherless problem. And we kept asking people, no matter who they were, heck, we interviewed Brett Favre for an hour. When we asked him about his father, he almost started crying. And two hours later, just, Sean, I've known you a long time. That's the first time I heard you talk about your father. And what a powerful impact good dads have. But imagine this. Ask people, what would your life be like without your father? What would you have done? Who would you have been? And, well, we kept coming across these stories from inner cities of these guys without fathers. And my heart breaks for these people who don't have fathers and live in these zip codes. They, it breaks for them. And what's working in those places? Are there people getting out? Are there people coming out of those prisons? Are they getting their lives turned around? And it turns out there are Christian ministries all over this country doing this work, changing lives, and no one's telling their story. And so we felt really driven to go in and interview these guys, spend hours upon hours with these men, and share their testimonies. And this is raw testimony from three men who, when you meet them, you're going to fall in love with them, 
But if you'd met him 20 years ago, you would have gone to the other side of the street. And, Sean, what's interesting about these three guys, not one of them talks about the cops. Not one of them talks about systemic racism. Not one of them talks about white privilege. It's, it's fathers, 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 gangs, 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 and God, God, God. That's it. The, the, the Black Lives Matter would not like the testimony of, three, of these three men. You know, I, lo- I was thinking about this as I was, you know, going through the movie, and I can tell you this about my father. I mean, if I learned a couple of lessons from him, is he had a really deep religious faith, and, and every day of my life now I believe more in God than I ever have and, and pray and, and ask him to guide my life. Um, he was a very kind person to everybody. And the other thing I learned from my dad he worked his ass off. He had a full-time job. He was a family court probation officer, waiter on the weekends. I mean, I could, I could argue that, okay, he was tired all the time, but how can you not be tired if you just, you know, you, 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 you're gulping water every day, you know, just to, you know, take care of your kids and your life and your family. I mean, it's, there, there, there was no other way. And that's why my parents never complained that I was working till all hours of the morning because they expected that. That that was normal for for us. And and lucky you, Sean. I mean, think about what your dad taught you. He taught you the value of work and the the value of sacrifice. I mean, because it's not just the work. He worked for you. He worked to put a roof over your head and 100%. to do what dads do. And he took great pleasure in that, Sean. There used to be these sayings when we were young. Do you remember when somebody would say, "The guy's a bus driver, whatever he is. He's a stand-up guy." He's a stand-up guy. Or he's a bum. He's a bum because he's not taking care of his family. He's out gambling or he's out, you know, chasing girls. We used to have these things, and it wasn't being judgmental. It was actually a way of keeping moral order on the street. And these kids are growing up where the gangs are the moral order. And, in fact, all three of these guys said what I found in the gangs was what I was missing in my family, protection. They join gangs because they need to be protected from other predators in gangs. The camaraderie and the belonging, they could have gotten that in an actual family. But the beauty of this film, Sean, is what Christians are doing, what strangers are doing. And that kindness part of your father, that's that's the proof for my money of his godly walk. Because it's about love. And when people can love a stranger, and this film is a love story, total strangers put bodies on these three men and change their lives forever. Look, the government has made a mess of this. We created a social experiment of pulling the father out of the home, and we've reaped the consequences. But it's the American people and the American church that are going to do the work of loving on these people and bringing them to God and bringing them to productive lives and, and productive lives as good citizens. And the government doesn't know how to love a child, Sean. And the government yeah, I would say, child. well, I mean, this is the biggest problem parents are facing. Their values are being contradicted in, in schools left and right, and they hate it. And I don't blame them for, for hating it. You know, it was a different time, too. I mean, my parents didn't know where I was. I knew where my kids were every second, every minute, every hour of every day because the world's changed so much. You know, you owe it to your kids to be there. You know, as they get older, you've got to give them room and space to be independent. They're going to make mistakes. How they deal with it is is going to be up to them. You can get this at uh, SalemNow.com. We have it on Hannity.com. Uh, it is called The Streets Were My Father, a story of hopelessness and redemption. And it's definitely worth your time uh, to watch it, especially in light of Father's Day on Sunday. 
Uh, uh, Lee, good to talk to you again, my friend. Thanks for having me on, Sean. Welcome to the Premier family. Thank you. (laughs) All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. Wow, what crazy times we live in. All right, next week, we're going to need a lot. We're going to be paying a lot of attention and need to pay a lot of attention to the Democrats as they try to use every procedural cheating method that they can find and convince the Senate parliamentarian to use to ram through through reconciliation their radicalism it'll be a big week we'll have full coverage uh in the meantime happy father's day to all you dads out there and have a great weekend and we'll see you back here on monday as always thanks for being with us you make the show possible